Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Mark Merrill found success with, so with hockey, football, boxing, then achieved fame as a WCW and WWE wrestling champion. As the founder of Champion of Choices, Mark shares his inspiring stories as schools, churches, and corporations throughout the world. I want you to give it up. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm pleased to introduce to you inspirational speaker and author of the book, The Happiest Person on the Planet, Mark Merrow. Come on, let's give it up for him. Woo! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Let's get ready to rumble! Woo! 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 Well, first of all, this and, uh, and this and the wrestling, that was who I was. Now, it's about whose I am. Yeah. Amen. And today I want to share my story with you. Story of tragedy and triumph. Defeat and victory. And God's mercy and grace. It's a message of inspiration, hope, and believing in your dreams. And today, I believe it's going to be a changing day in your life. I want to inspire you. I want to empower you to dream bigger than you have ever dreamt before. But most importantly, when you walk out those doors, I hope you can build a stronger relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So to share my story, what I want to do is I want to start at a place in my life. I think many of you guys can, um, there's many here that probably can relate to this part of my life. It's unfortunate when I had my first setback. It's my parents got divorced. I grew up in one of the worst drug and gang-infested neighborhoods on the west side of Buffalo, New York. In fact, this is one of the apartments I grew up in right here, but it's also where my life started to change, and this is part of the story I really want you guys to hear. Uh, that was my bedroom right there in the middle, and I've always been a dreamer. I mean, I dreamt of a better life for myself and my family. I started doing something a little different. At 10 years old, I started writing down my dreams and goals. I mean, I had this little broken-down desk in my room and this, this little book. I'd write my dreams and goals in. Now, guys, most of the things I wrote down as a kid, they were materialistic. I mean, we were poor. <laughs> we had no money. <laughs> Started things down like, I want a black Cadillac. <laughs> I want a speedboat. I love sports on television. So I wrote down, I'm going to be a professional athlete. N not only that, I wrote down, I'm going I'm to win rookie of the year. I wrote it into existence. I hated living like this. My mom's room was that room right there on the end, and my parents got divorced. It was so hard on my mother. Not only did she have a broken heart from the divorce, but my mom had to work two jobs trying to support us kids, and she'd come home late from her second job, and my room being next to my mother's, I would often hear her cry herself to sleep. I used to break my heart. One night, I heard my mother cry, and I got out of my bed. I walked over to that little broken-down desk, and I wrote in my book, I want to get my mom a house. I want to be rich. I want to be famous. I want to be a millionaire. I want to be somebody. See, many times we're young and unfortunate adults. Many times we believe that money and fame is the key to happiness. It's kind of what the world teaches us. And the media portrayed to our kids. All these rich and famous people are so happy. The more money, the happier you are. Success is the key to happiness. But the truth is, and I'm living proof. Happiness is the key to success. And happiness is a choice we all have the ability to make. But true happiness can only be found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. But I thought if I was rich and famous, I would be happy. So what I want to do, well, first of all, this is the actual book. I wrote my dreams and goals into existence when I was 10 years old. I still have it today. In fact, it's so funny because this travels all over the world with me. The dreams and goals of a little boy that would eventually come true. Why? Because I wrote it down. But more importantly, it's about the action we take towards dreams and goals. But even more important than that, when you write your dreams and goals down, just pray over them. 
God has a plan and a purpose for your life. So what I want to do, I want to share with you guys a couple of my dreams and goals that become a reality in my life, how I got there. And all I want you to do is exchange them for your own dreams and goals. So one of the things I've always wanted to do, I've always wanted to write a book. I've always wanted to be an author. And I know when I just said that, there's some people here who go, oh my gosh, that's me. You're probably a great writer. You're going to write a book, a screenplay, a novel. You're sitting right here. Well, guys, first of all, I'm the most unlikely guy to write a book. I can't even spell. <laughs> you ever work on Microsoft Word? You spell a word wrong? It's like 10 words pop up. Okay, English from Microsoft. Which one? <laughs> I don't know. So the year, the year was 2008 when I decided to write a book. Me. So here's what I did. I took a post-it note, and all I did was write book 2010. In other words, at that time, I gave myself two years to write a book. I took the post-it note, I stuck it on my computer. Now, every day I got in front of that computer, what did I see? My dream, my goal, a deadline. Now, remember, I gave myself two years to write a book. Guys, I travel all over the world now. You know, I meet more adults that always say, you know, Mark, I always wished I would have done this or done that. Or they say things like, Mark, those were the days. No, no, I'm here to tell you, these are the days. These are the days we can learn from past mistakes, grow in grace and knowledge, go after dreams and goals and not give up. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Man, when you stop dreaming, you stop living. I, I will never retire. I will just refire, <laughs> okay? So what, what I just want to encourage you guys is to write your dreams and goals into existence. So anyways, when I'm, I'm seeing this, every day, and a whole year goes by, and me seeing book 2010. And it was that point I realized I only had one year left towards that goal, that dream. And that's actually when I really started getting busy. Started writing quite a bit. And I, and I had to find an editor, a publisher, how many chapters of the book was gonna be, cover, title, pictures, everything necessary to become an author. Two weeks before the end of the year, before 2010 came, my, my first book, How to Be the Happiest Person on the Planet, was delivered to our offices right here in Orlando, Florida. Guys, the, the I'm sharing this with you today. I would not be a published author if it wasn't for a post note that reminded my dream, my goal. So my challenge to City Church, I'm challenging you guys to write your dreams and goals into existence today. Now here's the key. This would change my life. Once you write your dreams and goals down, you put it somewhere you have to see it. My little book was opened up on my desk every day. I'd see it all the time. But I don't care if you put it on your refrigerator at home, your bedroom wall, a drawer you pull out of day, your computer, wherever you put it. The more you see your dreams and goals, the more likely you are to take action towards them and be accountable. And, you know, as I look around this room, we have some, some parents here and some grandparents here, maybe even some great-grandparents. And I got to tell you something. If you have some dreams and goals that lie dormant inside of you, don't stop going after them. Don't stop believing. Go after your dreams and goals. I got to tell you, most of the amazing things that happen in my life they happen later on in life. You know, we want things to happen right away. Like, I'll give you a couple examples, okay? Um, I became a professional athlete at 31 years old. I became an uh, inspirational speaker at 47. I wrote my, my first book. I wrote this at 50. I became an ordained minister at 52. I ran for a seat in the Senate at 65. Okay, that hasn't happened yet, but see, I want you to dream big, go after dreams and goals, and never give up. I told you guys I wanted to be a professional athlete. I wrote that down when I was, when I was 10 years old, and um, I became an uh, all-star in football and hockey, but I found my true passion in, in boxing. I became a four-time New York State boxing champion. I won the New York State Golden Gloves a few years in a row, but... Um, uh, I eventually became, um, uh, well, before I show you that, let me take you back to when I was a boxer.
This is, uh, first of all, this is my, my, my little wife, Darlene. We started this ministry together 12 years ago. So give her a big round of applause. <laughs> she's so funny. Like, when she sits in front, like, if I start getting hot, she's like, So I eventually make my way to the USA boxing team. I moved from New York to Colorado, and I trained at the U.S. Olympic Training Center. While I was with the U.S. boxing team, I realized that I was one of the best boxers in the whole country. So I decided to turn professional in boxing. All the dreams and goals I wrote down in my little book, they're about to come true. I'm become very wealthy. <laughs> I'm going to get that black Cadillac. I'm getting that speedboat. I'm getting my mother a house. I'm building myself a big house. All my dreams and goals I wrote down, they're about to come true. So I, I fly home from uh, Colorado back to New York. I turned professional in boxing. Guys, I had my first professional boxing match scheduled in my hometown right in New York. Man, I had never trained harder for anything in my entire life. Every day I ran more miles. I did more wind sprints. Man, I sparred. I hit the heavy bag. I did everything necessary to become champion. Two weeks before my first professional boxing match, I had my nose shattered in an accident. I needed reconstructive surgery, and the doctor said it would be almost a year before I'd come back and start having full contact. Now, my mom was with me as they wheeled me down the hall for my surgery. My mother, she's like walking along that gurney going, Mark, don't you worry. Honey, you're going to come back in one year. You're going to be champ of the world. You see, the greatest gift my mother ever gave me other than introducing me to Jesus, she believed in me. She empowered me to believe in myself. Now, I know some of you students are going to be able to relate to this, and you moms and dads and grandparents that are here, you guys are so guilty. <laughs> my mom, she, she, she'd be like at all my sporting events, and I remember playing like high school football where all the parents are in the bleachers. My mother had to be right on the sideline. <laughs> and if, if the play on the field started going one way, my mother would run along with us. Mark, get him, get him. I'd be like. <laughs> I'd get in a huddle with the guys. i go, hey, Mark, man, is that your mother? <laughs> no, no, never saw her before in my life. <laughs> I'm teasing. I could never imagine not hearing that voice. And you moms and dads and grandparents, don't you ever stop doing that. They may, they may be embarrassed now, but I'm telling you something. When they get older and look back on their life, they're going to go, wow, I can't believe she was there cheering me on, or he was there. Please, don't ever stop doing that. Anyways, the, the surgery went fine, but after the surgery was over, it was uh, the first time in my life I could ever remember, like, I, I just had all this free time on my hands. Like, I couldn't train, so I wasn't getting ready for a hockey game, a football game, boxing match. And sometimes when we have a lot of free time, we're presented with a lot of choices. And I started making some really bad ones. I mean, life-changing bad choices. The first thing I did wrong, and, and please, church, don't miss this. I started hanging out with the wrong people. And these so-called friends, they were going to parties. At the parties, they're drinking, getting high, doing drugs, and what do I do? Follow right along with them. But don't worry. I'm coming back in one year. I'm going to be champ of the world. Next thing you know, I'm at the parties with my buddies. And guys, it always starts out so innocent. Hey, man, what's up, brother? What's up, man? Have a beer. Oh, you got to try this. Oh, come on, man. Smoke it. You're young. You only live once. Enjoy your life. Next thing you know, I'm drunk and high with my buddies. Now I'm walking around the parties going, hey, guys, I'm coming back in one year, and I'm going to be champ of the world. I do this week after week, month after month. But I'm coming back in one year. One year turned into two years. Two years turned into four years. Four years turned to 10 years of my life of drug and alcohol abuse and addiction. And the only job I could get with my limited high school education was in construction as a laborer. That was one of my jobs, digging swimming pools. Church, I, I remember being at the bottom of those, those swimming pools and just thinking, how did I get here? How did I throw away 10 years of my life? I, I wanted a black Cadillac. I wanted a speedboat. I wanted to get my mother a house. I wanted to be rich. I wanted to be famous. I wanted to be somebody. I threw it all away because of who I chose to surround myself with. 
The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. You see, see, it's so amazing, this amazing book, how God, all the way back then, he, he told us that we, we become who we surround ourselves with. Your friends, your, your co-workers, they're like elevators. They're either going to take you up or they're going to take you down. They're going to take you up or they're going to take you down. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. How do I know this, guys? It's so simple. I hung out with people who care less and just want to party and have fun. And I became the biggest loser of them all because I gave up everything I dreamed about because of who I chose to surround myself with. You know, the, the saddest part about my, my drug and alcohol abuse and addiction, the people I hurt the most were people that loved me the most. My friends drive me home at 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. We'd be drunk and high in the car. We'd pull up in front of my house in New York. they go, hey, Mark, man, all your lights are on. Yep, my mother's up. See, my mother, she wouldn't go to bed until she knew her son was still alive. My mom would sit in this old chair in the living room. And guys, the only way I get to my bedroom, yep, had to walk by my mom in the old chair. <laughs> Hated those walks. I'd walk in, she'd say, hi, Mark, how was your night? It's good, going to bed. She goes, Mark, can, can I please talk to you for a minute? I go, Mom, I'm tired. I'm going to bed. She goes, Mark, I haven't seen you all day and all night. Can I please talk to you? I said, man, why don't you just leave me alone? You know, you bug me. And I'd slam my bedroom door on the one person that actually believed in me. I have a little brother. My little brother's name is Guy Christopher. Now, Guy Christopher, he's 13 years younger than me. But he tells anybody who listens, when I grow up, I'm going to be like my big brother, Mark. See, my brother, he also wants to be a professional athlete. I mean, this kid, all-star baseball player. I mean, his dream is to make it to the major leagues one day. When he was younger, he'd wear his little baseball uniform everywhere. I don't, I don't know if you thought the pro scouts were at the Burger King, but he wore it everywhere. And he'd come out and say, hey, Mark, Mark, can, can you pitch me something? I go, man, I don't got time for that. And he'd just take the ball and he'd like just... Toss it at me and catch us. What? He said, you want to play catch? I said, no. What's wrong with you? Can't you hear? He'd look at me and go, can I hang out with you? <laughs> Get out of here, you little punk. I'd take his ball and throw it as far as I could. And my brother, he, he never talked back, but he'd run away after that ball. And when he got far enough away, he'd always stop. And he'd just look back. And it was a look as if to say, I just want to hang out with my brother. Get out of here. I got a little sister. My little sister, her name is Andrea. Now, Andrea, she's also much younger. But Andrea, she used to do something I could not stand. And a lot of the parents are going to remember this. She used to go, I'm sitting next to Mark. I call it. Remember the old I call it days? <laughs> Whenever we got in the car, went to dinner or movie, I'm sitting next to my brother. I call it. She me crazy with this stuff. Guys, you see the open chair? Here she comes. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. Andrea, look at me. Get out of here right now. Oh, guys, I can't tell you how many times I watched my little sister Andrea. I mean, she was very sensitive and her eyes would well up in tears, but she wouldn't blink because she didn't want me to see her cry. That's how I treated my family. You know, you know what's so ironic about sharing this with you guys today and even somewhat embarrassing? Now that I travel all over the world, I've been a youth advocate. This is our 12th year since Darlene and I started this program. And brother in Christ, I realized something so important. We all have an impact on each other's life. Whether it's positive or negative, we have an impact on each other. So my question to you, City Church, how are you being treated? Better, better yet, how do you treat other people? Do people see the love and light of Christ shine through you? Do they see the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. What do people see in you? Every day we receive hundreds of letters from all the presentations we do around the country. Most of the letters we get are, are so beautiful how this presentation changed or even saved somebody's life. 
we also get letters from people going through isolation, loneliness, depression, anxiety, being bullied or abused, self-harm, burning, cutting themselves, and, and people that feel like they don't even want to be here anymore. Those letters break our hearts. But we spend night after night writing back to people, trying to give them hope, letting them know there is another way, there's other options than hurting yourself or, or killing yourself. I moved out when I was 18 years old. I remember thinking at that time, I don't need these people. I'm going out being rich and famous. Next thing you know, I start getting these phone calls from my little sister, Andrea. <laughs> you guys remember her. I'm sitting next to Mark, I call it. I mean, as soon as she called my phone, I just let it go to voicemail. She'd leave me the longest messages. Mark, I miss you so much. I wish you'd come by and see everybody. Dad told me to tell you he misses you too. I'm getting ready to graduate from high school. I can't wait to see the graduation. Everybody's going to be there. It's going to be so much fun. I love you. I miss you. Blah, blah, blah. I never even went to my little sister's high school graduation. Broke her heart. Then I got a letter through the mail. Remember the old way, the post office? It said, Mark, I miss you so much. I wish you'd come by and see everybody. I'm getting ready to leave for college, and I really wanted to see you before I left. I miss you. I love you. Blah, blah, blah. Never had time. My sister went on to graduate from Syracuse University. She got her degree in electrical engineering. I mean, she's always been so smart. She had scholarships for school and everything. So after college, she applied for her first job company called General Electric and she wanted this job so badly like she would sit by the phone just hoping they'd call <laughs> I remember I had to swing by the house to get something and she heard the door open and when she saw it was me she was like Mark <laughs> she started crying she gave me this big bear hug and when she looked up tears are streaming down her cheeks and she said I missed you so much I'm so glad you're here and then she does this and she goes Guess what? I got the job. <laughs> she was so excited to tell me. She had to get a routine physical for her new health insurance at General Electric. And it was at that physical they found my sister Andrea. She had cancer. She went through radiation and chemotherapy. And she lost all her hair, but she never lost her will to live. She never complained. I visit her at the hospital. <laughs> She's always worried about me. She's like, hey, Mark, are you okay? My sister Andrea fought so bravely for eight months, and I was sitting at her hospital bed that faithful day when she died. What I would do to sit next to my little sister today, oh my gosh, what I would do I call it choices. We are defined by our choices. Guys, we, at one point of our lives, we're all going to lose a loved one. My wife actually asked me to play this, so I'm going to blame this on her. So if there's tears, you can blame her, okay? This little boy called into a radio station after losing something that was very dear to him. And... I want you to listen to this little boy calling into a radio station. I think you're really going to enjoy this. Hey, Mike, can I talk to you? You bet, Logan. What's up? I want to tell you something that God just told me. Okay. Last night, my dad was roping this calf. And this calf had been born from a really old cow. She, she didn't have really the greatest milk. She didn't have, like, the vitamin C and stuff. Okay. Hold on. Mom? So cute, I guess, his mom talking to me. I'm talking right now. I'll be up in a second. But, sorry about that. But anyway, she broke her back. And this morning I went out and put her down myself. I was talking to God. I was asking God why. She was special. And God said... You know, Logan, but my son was special, but he died for a purpose. <laughs> it's kind of the same thing. That calf was close to me, and God's son was close to him. Logan, you're, you're so right. 
It's true. Think you're gonna be okay? Yeah, I'll be fine. But I just wanted to tell you guys that that is so important. Just remember, when you lose a loved one or a pet, always remember that God gave his son too, and he understands. He will always understand. He will always just run to him. Logan, you're wiser than you know, buddy. Sometimes I don't think I'm wise. Uh, trust me, I've done a lot of stupid stuff. But I've learned from it. Yeah, but see, buddy, that's what makes you wise. Somebody that learns from their mistakes. Oh, I just figured I'd better call and share with you guys. Love you. Love you, too. Bye. Bye-bye. When you lose a loved one or you're going through a hard time, Run to him. He understands. I think where I was. <laughs> Wasn't planning on throwing that in there, but I looked at my wife and she said, please. <laughs> I, um, you know, sometimes in life you, you get another chance. Sometimes. At this point in my life, I was now 30 years old. Years and years of drug and alcohol abuse and addiction working paycheck to paycheck in the construction industry. I was even dealing drugs to support my habits, support my addiction. I had a bunch of friends over my apartment, and one of my buddies, he had the remote control for the television, so he's like flipping through TV channels, and all of a sudden, he landed on professional wrestling. I go, whoa, whoa, whoa stop it there, let me see this. As I'm looking at the television, I get this overwhelming feeling, you know, the aha moment. I go, guys, I can do that. My buddies busted out laughing, they go, those guys. Man, they're going to pick you up over their head and throw you right out of that ring. I go, no, I'm telling you, I can do that. Another buddy goes, Mark, you're 30 years old. What are you going to do? Start a pro career now? I just said those two words. I believe. Now, was the action I took next that changed my destiny? Just like it's the action you, you take when you walk out those doors. What will you do different tomorrow that you didn't do today towards your goals, your dreams, passion, your family, your relationship with God. Now, the action I had to take, well, back then, I had to find out where there was a wrestling school. I didn't know how to wrestle. I was living in Venice, Florida, and there was a wrestling school in Tampa, about 60 miles apart. I started driving there after working at weekends. One year later, at 31 years old, I signed this huge contract in professional wrestling. And not only that, guys... I wrote about it when I was 10 years old. I was voted wrestling's rookie of the year. Dreams come true. You've got to believe. And yours starts today. I want you to write your dreams and goals into existence. Put it somewhere you have to see it. Pray over it. Take action towards your dreams and goals. And do not be defined by other people's opinion. So now, for the first time in my life, I got money. I never had money. So when you never had money, all of a sudden you got lots of money, what do you do? You start buying stuff. So the first thing I did when I got my signing bonus, I bought my mother a house in Sarasota, Florida. I paid cash for it. And then I started buying all the other things I wrote down in my little book. I went out and bought one of them speedboats. Yeah, yeah, that, that city church, that was, that was back when short shorts were in. <laughs> okay, but then I built my first house in Marietta, Georgia, and guys, who's parked in my driveway, yep, it's my black Cadillac, so now I'm rich, I'm famous, I'm hanging out with movie stars and celebrities, I'm having dinner with the President of the United States, Muhammad Ali is coming to watch me wrestle, I'm hanging out with Kid Rock, I'm touring with Gene Simmons and Kiss. Jack's my buddy. I'm wrestling with Hulk Hogan. I got my own action figure. Actually, I got 12 of them. But then I become a millionaire, and I've always wanted to live on the water. So I built another house on Amelia Island. I got everything. The world will say, Mark, you made it. You're rich. You're famous. Oh, my gosh, I saw you on TV. You are so lucky. But then, after I cleaned up my life, got off the drugs, I made it in professional wrestling. I resort to my old ways. And the first thing I did wrong, again, was the people I chose to hang out with. Alcohol and drugs comes back with a vengeance. Not just that. Now prescription medication and pills. The only difference in my life, 
I got all the money to buy anything I want. And my world starts spinning out of control. Alcohol, drugs, pills, addiction, bad choices, hanging out with the wrong people. But I always thought when I was a little boy, if I was only rich and famous, I'd be happy. I've never been so empty in my entire life. I thought, wait a minute. Maybe if I bought a new home with a fountain and tennis court and basketball court and lots of land, because now I'm a multi-millionaire celebrity. So I went out and got myself a bigger house. I got everything the world will say, Mark, you made it. You're rich. You're famous. I saw you on TV. You are so lucky. But then my world starts spinning out of control. Alcohol, drugs, pills, addiction, bad choices, hanging out with the wrong people. And I lost it all. That's right. I lost everything. My ex-wife of 10 years, she walked out the door and divorced me. And I don't blame her. But then I lost over 30 friends. Most of my friends died from their bad choices. One of them was murdered. A couple died from suicide. But most died from drug overdose. My friends, they, they were all rich and famous. In fact, I wrestled every guy that's on this list. Some of us toured together for 14 years. The reason why I call this a death list, it's a reminder every day that I'm alive of a list I should have been on. My name, Mark Merrill, should have been on this list. I did everything they did, and some nights I did a whole lot more. I have overdosed on drugs on three occasions where I should have been dead. But I believe God kept me here for a reason. I believe he had a higher calling for my life. And I believe there are people sitting in this church today whose lives are going to be forever changed as you hear the conclusion of my story. Sometimes in life, you think, man, it can't get any worse. But when you make bad choices and you don't follow God, it can and mine did. I was on a worldwide tour. We were wrestling overseas in Japan. After my wrestling match, I went upstairs in my hotel room and I fell asleep. And there was this, there was this knock at my door at 3 o'clock in the morning. So I got out of bed. I go up to the door and I looked at that little safety window. And I, and I could see it was a Japanese promoter. So I opened the door. And he goes, Mark, you need to call home. There's an emergency. I run back in my room. I get out of my hotel room phone. I called back to the United States. I said, hey, well, what's going on? He said, Mark, I don't know how to tell you this. I said, just tell me what happened. All of a sudden, he just started crying. I kept saying, just tell me. They kept saying, I don't know how to. I said, just say it. Finally, she says, Mark, your mother died. I just dropped the phone. I felt numb. I ran out of my hotel room. I took the elevator to the lobby. And all I can remember was when the elevator doors opened. I, I ran through the lobby and out the doors into the street. I mean, there was no cars. There was no people. It was 3 o'clock in the morning. I walked down the middle of a street in Hiroshima, Japan. And I remember just looking up and saying, Mom, I am so sorry. I flew home for a funeral, but I, I couldn't walk up to a casket. I just couldn't do it. I stood as far back as I could, and oh my gosh, the line to see my mom was so long. People were praying over and crying and saying goodbye. All I could do was look from a distance. And I kept thinking to myself, Mom, please wake up. Please get up. And then when the last person prayed over my mom and said goodbye, I remember just getting the nerve to walk up to her. And as I got closer, I could see my mom for the first time. She was so beautiful. She was dressed in white. She, she looked like an angel. And I just stood over and I said, Mom, you are my hero. Everything I am, everything I hoped to be was because of you. You loved me so much. You gave me a life. You worked two jobs. You're the only one that ever believed in me. How'd I repay her? By getting drunk, by getting high, by getting stupid, by hanging out with people who could care less? For what? All she ever wanted to do was talk to me. 
wish I could talk to you now, Mom. I wish you could see what I'm doing. Why couldn't I have been a better son? Choices. We are defined by our choices. Guys, the choices we make today, they can affect us and our families the rest of our lives. You guys remember my little brother, Guy Christopher? When I grow up, I want to be like my big brother, Mark. Hey, Mark, can you pitch me some? Not today, man. I've got time for that. You, you want to play catch? I said no. Can I hang out with you? Get out of here. My brother grew up okay. He grew up so much better than me. He, he played guitar in his church band. He loved the Lord. He married his longtime girlfriend, Gina. And I'll never forget those two coming to my house with these big smiles on their face. My brother goes, hey, Mark, I want you to be one of the first to know Gene and I, we're, we're going to have a baby. I said, what? I'm being uncle? He said, Uncle Mark. They are so excited. My brother got this really good job. And everybody's new employment, they had to be drug screened. In other words, they had to get a blood test taken for drug screening. Now, my brother guy, Christopher, has always been deathly afraid of blood. You guys might know someone like this, for example. If my brother saw somebody bleeding, he'd go, oh, man, I got to sit down, getting dizzy. <laughs> and sometimes the kid, I mean, he would just pass right out. <laughs> but as an adult, he still had this phobia, this, this anxiety. And he was sitting in the waiting room in the doctor's office, and the nurse came in and called his name. He got out of his chair, and he starts following the nurse. And all of a sudden, he stopped. And he said, nurse, I'm just getting really dizzy. And she goes, oh, okay, sit that down. But before she could come back and grab him, her little brother just passed out, fell over backwards. He hit his head on the floor in the doctor's office. I was on the road wrestling, and I got this phone call, and they said, Mark, your brother Guy Christopher had a falling accident at the doctor's office. He's at the Sarasota Hospital. <laughs> My first reaction, remember, I'm on tour wrestling. I'm like, okay. How bad can you get hurt at a doctor's office? I said, would he break his arm? And they didn't answer. It's like this long pause, and then she just goes, Mark, can you get here as soon as possible? What? So I asked for permission to get off the tour, and of course they allowed me. I traveled to the Sarasota Hospital as fast as I could. I took the elevator up to the ICU, and I remember running down the hall to his room, and when I opened the door to walk in, see these machines keeping my brother alive. I said, no. I asked everybody in his room to please leave. I, I just want to be alone with my little brother. It was my older sister, Jody, my other brother, Joel, his wife, Gina. I mean, she was pregnant with their baby. Friends and family, they're all around his bed holding hands and praying. I, I just wanted to be alone with him. You, you, you see, my mother died two weeks before this. How much can your heart take? Everybody left the room, so I went over to his bed, put my hands in the railings and just stared at him. I mean, he, he looked so handsome. It looked like he was just sleeping. And then for the first time in a long time, I got down on my knees. I grabbed his hand. I said, God, I don't ask you for much, but we need a miracle. He's only 21. He's going to be a daddy. And, and just let the, the door opens. It's the doctor with my family. So I get up and as they're walking in, I can see this look on the doctor's face. I mean, it's a look you never forget. And he just says, I'm sorry. There's no brain activity. I said, no, no, no. God's going to give us a miracle. There's nothing more we can do. We had to make a decision as a family to let my brother go. It was the hardest thing I have ever done or ever will have to do. I mean, to sit there and watch your brother die. But there was a miracle. <clears throat> we donated his heart, his lungs, all his organs. Doctors told us that it, it may have saved the lives of four or five people on transplant lists that may not have lived long enough if it wasn't for my brother's gift, it just wasn't our miracle. One month after my little brother died, 
this precious baby, my little niece, Svalika, was born. She never got to see her daddy. <laughs> but this little girl, oh my gosh, she's the life of our family get together. She's so talented. She plays the piano and sings and everybody gathers around her. She's, she's our little superstar. <laughs> and her daddy would be so proud. Guys, if I could just go back in time, if I could just grab that ball, just one more time. Why couldn't I have been a better brother? Choices. We are defined by our choices. After losing my friends and family, I fell into such a dark place, a depression that I didn't know how to come out of. Guys, if you know someone that's depressed, please don't say just get over it. Depression isn't something you just get over. You have to work through it and through faith and prayers. You can be that one person that helps them. I decided in my life. I retrieved my handgun. I walked into my shower. And the idea was I, I put my back against the wall. I spread my legs. I put the gun to my temple. And I would slide down the wall, but when my bottom hit the ground, I would pull the trigger. And as I was standing there, I just felt my heart pounding on my chest. And I could see my mom, my brother, my sister, my family. I was so sorry. I just hated my life. I just wanted to see them again. And then I started to slide down the wall. But all of a sudden, this vision, this, this thought of hell comes into my head. I mean, it was so clear. It's like there was a, a, like a sea of people and everybody was in their own torment. No, nobody was talking to each other. It was just like this torment they were in. And I remember just thinking, that this is not a place I want to go. This is not a place I would want anyone to go. And I remember just falling on my knees and pointing the gun away. And I started begging God for forgiveness. I was just kept saying over and over how sorry I was. See, my whole life, I was always trying to change everybody else. You should love me more. Why couldn't you clean the house the way I like it? Don't you know how to cook? But when you learn that it's you that needs to change, everything around you starts to change. You see, the tallest I've ever stood was that that day I got down on my knees. I need a counselor. <laughs> He's a wonderful counselor. I need peace in my heart. He's the Prince of Peace. I needed a friend. There's no better friend than Jesus. Guys, he picked me up so I could finish the race. He's the son of the living God. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And you can't meet his daddy unless you know him. He is the rock of our salvation. He is the foundation of our faith. He turned water into wine. He gives sight to the blind. Guys, he committed no crime. He had no sin, yet they crucified him. It wasn't nails that held Jesus on the cross. No. It was love. His love for you and me. Guys, he, he was pronounced dead. Jesus died. But death couldn't beat him. He rose and conquered the grave. Oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, hell, where's your victory? He is an undefeated, undisputed champion of the entire universe. Church, praise him. Praise your protector, praise your provider, praise your redeemer, praise the great I am, praise the lily of the valley, praise the rose of Sharon, praise the fairest of 10,000, praise them, praise them. City Church, the chains are broken, we've been set free. He takes us from the prison to the palace, from the outhouse to the penthouse. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess, even the stones, even the rocks, they're going to scream out, Jesus Christ is Lord. Life. Life is short compared to eternity. It's a test, a trust, temporary assignment. You know, in Revelation 21, 4, it says that, in heaven, all our tears will be wiped away. But if there are any regrets, our biggest one's going to be, why didn't we spend more time 
getting to know God. Some of you are going to cry out and say, why did I place so much importance on things that were so temporary? Why did I waste so much time, concern, and energy on things that just wouldn't last? There's one thing that's going to last. That's God's unconditional love. You know, guys, um, the Bible says that we're all appointed death and then judgment. But we're all going to die, okay? Now I'm telling you, go home and Google it. We're, we're going to die, okay? <laughs> we often spend more time preparing for a vacation than we do for eternity. I believe that I told you earlier, lives are going to be changed, hearts are going to be healed, relationships restored, addictions broken. See, fear, fear builds mountains. Faith. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. Do you realize that door is your heart? Now, he's not going to kick it in. He gives all free will. You have to open that door and invite him in. You know, the Bible says that, that the road to heaven is straight and narrow and only few shall find it. Are you the few? I don't know. I don't know what your relationship is with God. But I don't want you to leave this church until you are absolutely sure. And you can do that right now. I'm going to ask everybody to stand together. We're going to pray. <laughs> a very special moment right now. Remember, there's no coincidence you're here for a reason. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to go around the room and just ask a question. This is between you and God. If you need forgiveness, I just want you to slip up your hand right now. Slip up your hand to God. Thank you. Thank you. He already knows your heart. You're not hiding nothing from him. Thank you. Hands up all over. There's some of you that are not walking the right path right now. And you know you need to change your ways. I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. People that need to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You know, just like me, there's many. I went through so much of my life just thinking, I, I don't deserve to go to heaven. Who am I? I'm a nobody. You might be saying to yourself, I'm a liar, I'm a cheater, I'm a backstabber. I hate my life. I'm a drug addict. I'm an alcoholic. I can't take it no more. I'm popping pills every day. My kids are out of control. I have no family. Everyone hates me. I hate myself. I don't want to be here no more. And God says, shh. I love you so much. I gave my only son to die in your place. And all you have to do is invite him into your life, into your heart. And I want to give you that opportunity. Now, this prayer I'm about to say, I don't want you just repeating my words. I want it to come from your heart. Guys, I, I can get a parrot to repeat this prayer. It doesn't mean he's going to heaven. This has to come from your heart to God. If you raise your hand, I'm going to ask you something very important. The Bible says, God says, if you confess me in front of men, I will confess you in front of my Father. See, it takes faith. Every person that raised their hand or even thought of raising their hand, I want you to come forward right here at this altar right now. I told you earlier that lives are going to be changed, hearts are going to be healed, relationships restored, and it takes the faith for you to simply walk forward the altar is where lives are changed. Thank you. Give a round of applause as you see these people getting out of their seat. This is a holy moment right now. Thank you, thank you. Come on. There was a lot of hands up, and I don't want you to miss this opportunity. Thank you, sir. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you, thank you. Come on, moms, bring your kids. Dads, bring your kids. Kids, bring your moms and dads and grandparents. This is a special, special moment right now. I'm telling you right now, the altars will change his lives. Hearts will be healed. Lives will be changed. Relations restored. Addictions broken. This is where change is right here. It takes a step of faith. Come on. Fear builds mountains. Faith removes them. Yes, yes, there's a few more. Come on, round of applause. It's a holy moment. Special moment, special moment. Moms and dads coming forward. Come on.
Thank you, thank you. We got such a few more up here. Come on, come closer. Darlene, can you please join me? Come up here, please. Such a special moment right now. Oh, the Spirit of God is just hovering over this place. So beautiful. Thank you, sweetie. Bring as many up here as possible. changed by asking for forgiveness. With every head bowed, when, when your wife tells you to do something, just please do it. Happy wife, happy life. Why can't husband rhyme with life? <laughs> every head bowed and every eye closed. I want you to repeat this prayer after me, but I want you to say it nice and loud. It's between you and God. It's got to come from your heart. Heavenly Father, come on, Heavenly Father, I come before you in prayer asking for the forgiveness of my sins. I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is your son. Father, I believe he, he, you rose him from the dead. I ask you to come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. I'm sorry for my sins. I'm ready to turn my life around. I will worship you the rest of my days because your word is the truth. In Jesus' name. And City Church said amen and amen. Give yourselves a big round of applause. Oh,